1: Well, Garrett, Rivalry Week turned into Survivalry Week as all the top teams got tested early and often. We're sitting here watching the last ever Pac-12 after-dark game. We're reminiscing on the end of the regular season, and we're looking forward to the college football playoff rankings on Tuesday. All that and more right here on a Week 13 live recap on the three technique.
2: One man. Goodbye. Hello, Heisman. 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45. There goes Davis. Oh my God. Davis is going to run it all the way back.
3: Auburn's going to win the football game. They get it to Rogers. They get it back out to the 30. They're down to the 20. All the band is out on the field. Yeah. He's going to go
2: in the oh! Four man Alabama rush. Got him. Oh no, they didn't. Oh my gracious. Yeah. How about that?
1: Well, welcome in one and all. Garrett, I don't know about you. I am out of breath after this slate of games today. Week 13, rivalry week. It always delivers, but it felt extra special today. So many top teams were on the road, so many top teams facing just hungry rivalry opponents, even if they were, you know, five and six, six and five. A lot of top teams were tested today. That iconic Vern Lundquist quote, oh my gracious, fit. So fitting for so many of these <laughs> matchups today. Welcome in, everybody, uh, to the Week 13 live recap edition of the 3 Technique. Garrett, I not much else I can say about that. It, it was a wild Saturday. It was a wild Friday at times as well. Uh, but Saturday absolutely delivered
2: today. Oh, This was incredible. The the title for the stream, if you're watching Rivalry Week Save the Best for Last, that is a hundred percent the case this year. Man, I mean, it just felt like it you you couldn't get a break from an awesome game, right? You know, we try to sometimes figure out like, okay, when's like a good time to go and sit you know in here and and make some graphics, and what's a good time to you know go and start stuff up? Man, like
3: there just wasn't a time,
2: time. (laughs) there wasn't a time all day today to go do that, and there wasn't much time last night either. I mean. You know, from the word go, Texas was off to the raises last night. Oregon looked fantastic last night, um, and and that was even with the fact that we were all gathered over here celebrating. And so, I mean, look, it's it's a crazy time. Um, it, it it always is crazy to me how fast the college football season goes. But man, like if this was our little last big swig of the regular season until next year, we took gulps. I mean, we took absolute gulps today. It was fantastic. I loved it. I'm so excited to start breaking it down.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. You did mention we were celebrating last night. Baby Turney is on the way, so congratulations. Uh, Garrett and his wife are expecting a lovely girl, and we're very excited for that. Um, I feel like I'm the only one not experiencing a milestone right now, but
2: uh, on the three tech team. But hey, be, uh, be happy about that for now. Milestones sometimes are great, and sometimes they're you know expensive.
1: We're chilling right now. We're <laughs> chilling, and we're happy with that. But yeah, rivalry week was fantastic. We're excited to break it all down with you guys. Before we do that, let's pay the bills really quickly. This episode and all episodes are brought to you by our friends over at the Transfer Portal CFB. They're bringing you all the in-depth coverage that you can handle for this college football season. It's coverage by fans for fans, and it's great stuff. We have our weekly article coming out tomorrow, our headlines and review. Thoughts and prayers to Mitch writing that article because I don't know how he's going to narrow it down to three to five storylines to review. It's going to be almost impossible. I'm sure Ryan Day will be headlining. I'm sure some coaching announcements that have been trickling out this evening. We'll be headlining that as well. We're not going to get into that on this show, but um, yeah, it's so many great things to cover a great team of riders over there. Make sure you're checking out all the great content. And we are also brought to you by our friends over at home field apparel. You can use our code three tech pod, but we would suggest uh, not doing that. Even though it does get you 15% off, it is still black Friday pricing for the rest of the weekend. You can check our link on Twitter. At Three uh, Tech Pod on Twitter, we have a link, a special link that goes to their site, and all of their stuff is on sale, twenty percent off for Black Friday. So use that code Black Friday using our link on Twitter. You support the pod, you get yourself twenty percent off to get that Christmas shopping a head start on all that Christmas shopping that you know you need to do. So Garrett, with the bills paid, with us ready to dive in, let's start at the top and let's bring in our friend, good friend of the show, who. Uh, I guess gets to say he won the rematch debate, Mr. Teddy Moore, our Michigan super fan joining the show to help us break down the story of the day. And that was the Michigan Wolverines three peating in the game for the first time since 1995 through 1997, defeating the arch rival Ohio state Buckeyes 30 to 24. Teddy, congratulations, my friend, great victory from your team today. You can see the stats up there on the screen. The score kind of doesn't reflect how this game felt because it felt a lot more like a defensive slugfest for most of this game. You know, Big Ten weather, two elite defenses duking it out. You can see that in the total yardages. The third downs were – conversions were very hard to come by for both teams. But, you know, I think I came away from this game thinking these are two of the toughest teams in the country. But Michigan, once again, just kind of outlasted the Buckeyes – Out tough the Buckeyes when it mattered the most. They got the yards they needed when it mattered the most. And they kept Ohio State from getting those inches that they needed the most down the stretch.
3: I mean, you said it best, Trey. Like, it was the score does not say and tell the full story of what I went through for three hours, three and a half hours today (laughs) watching this game I mean you couldn't ask for a better Saturday first of all in the great state of Michigan um I you know it's just I woke up this morning and I was like man <clears throat> it's gonna be it just I just had a feeling that like it's this game is not gonna be what it has been the past two years and as I was just anticipating it and waiting and waiting which felt like hours of waiting for this game to start but then when I finally kicked off like I, I think Michigan went went three and out. Ohio State went three and out. And I was like, yep, it's going to be it's gonna be one of those games. It's not going to be a lot of offense. I mean, the stats tell you the full story, essentially. But I think the most important thing was when you look at the fourth downs, you know, Jerome wasn't afraid to go for it. No matter, you know, when he was on our side of the 50, he wasn't scared. Like he knew what this game is and what it meant. And he was not afraid. And I don't know. there was a couple of times Ryan did. he just looked a little timid to me. I don't know if he was just I don't know what it was, but you could just see it in his eyes and something with the play play calling. he was just very timid. And you know, I mean, I gotta give it out, Joe. Your team played good. I definitely thought <clears throat> on that last drive, I was they were just giving these chunk plays and chunk plays. I'm like, like, all right, cool. So this is it. I'm gonna I talked all my smack and I'm going to lose. So cool. But (sighs) faithful, faithful. My defense came through forced interception. And that's all she wrote. I know it's just, it was was a great Saturday, a great game. Um, You know, word, word, like, you know, I don't know. Like I just, it's, it's still like, I'm still reliving it to this, like watching Rod Moore pick off Kyle McCord. And I was like, you couldn't ask for a better ending. You really couldn't. and. You know, hats off to my team. And isn't it great, Garrett, to be a Michigan Wolverine? I mean, let's sing it. Come on, baby. Come on. on. It's great to be a Michigan Wolverine. Great to be a
2: Michigan Wolverine. I love it, man. I love it, baby. It's great. Garrett is clinging to
1: whatever identity he can to cope with the (laughs) reality of our alma mater. But uh, I'll just read Joe's statement really quickly, and we can talk a little bit more about this game. He says, Teddy, congrats on your third straight win. This one stings a bit, but I'm glad we didn't get bullied like the last two years. With McCord at the helm, I know how it felt with the last five Michigan quarterbacks, so a little bit of a backhanded compliment there. Um, enjoy your fun while it lasts because George is coming, and so is the dreaded offseason. See, see you in 365 days for round three. A uh, few backhanded compliments from some salty Buckeye uh, Nation members there, but listen, I think he makes a great point about Kyle McCord. Kyle McCord at quarterback because, you know, it just seemed that when Michigan needed a big play, J.J. McCarthy stepped up. He threaded the needle to find a receiver. He, you know, made plays with his legs. Kyle McCord, it seemed like if his first read wasn't there, the Buckeyes offense was in trouble. You saw that with the interception that set Michigan up for uh, their first touchdown. Um, You know, you saw that throughout the game when he's forcing balls into places that he absolutely shouldn't. And I think that's kind of characteristic of him as a quarterback. We were kind of having that debate before we hit record, guys. Like, he could absolutely develop into something better next year. Ryan Day could have his quarterback of the future in Kyle McCord. But where he is right now is not good enough to lead Ohio State to a national championship. And I think that was on display today against the best defense he's faced this year. And it really, you know, anytime Michigan needed a big play, they stepped up. I think, you know, the defining play of this game, Zach Zinner, the All American guard, probable, you know, possible future first round draft pick, goes down with a horrific knee injury. So horrific that Zach uh, Gus Johnson made sure we knew that they were not going to show it um, yeah, on the I don't
2: broadcast. Know if he thought, it broke in fibula and tibia. It's Just disgusting. Just, just um, horrible, feel,
1: feel awful for the kid, but the first play after that long layoff is a long Blake Corum touchdown run. So just immediately gets the energy back up in the stadium. I thought that was a huge, huge moment for Michigan. And, you know, other than not being able to finish drives in the second half, they really put this one away, right? The Not finishing the drive, settling for field goals, that's what kind of kept Ohio State in this game and gave them a chance at the end. They pick off Kyle McCord one more time as they uh, hit him as he throws, And that's all she wrote. Michigan's going to uh, their third straight Big Ten championship game, looking likely to go to their third straight college football playoff semifinal. And we'll see what happens from there. But guys, you know, taking a step back, we can talk a little bit more about this game if you want. But as we look forward for Michigan, what are are their chances in a college football playoff? I'm going to assume that they get by Iowa. Because, you know, I, I think, you know, I was offense because probably they can
2: score them. 10 points
1: if they can score more than 13. I'll feel good <laughs> about their chances against Iowa. I feel pretty good about that. Um, but, you know, looking past that, what are their chances in a college football playoff scenario this year? Do you guys give them a better chance than last year, the last couple of years where they've kind of struggled once they got there?
2: Yeah, I definitely think so. I I mean, for me, when I look at this team, I think that this team still hasn't even really reached its peak. Um, They've been playing really good football. And I think the style of football, you know, I've said it multiple times on the pod, the style of football is just to wear you down, right? It's not that they're going to come out the gates flashy. They're they're not the team that's going to come out and, you know, put you down 21 to nothing in the first quarter. That's just not what Michigan is, but they are designed to wear you down through the game and they're designed to just kind of wear you down and keep leaning on you and keep pushing on you, and they score that touchdown, and they get that pick, and they convert the field position, and that's what they do, I I still feel like there's so much more that I could be seeing if they could get over that hump of just, you know, let's let's be a little more explosive on the front end. Let's get warmed up just a little bit quicker. So, you know, for me, I think the sky's the limit for Michigan because they can do that, right? It's possible to do that. They're going to have to show me a little bit more, but especially when I look around this field, I think this field is as vulnerable as it's been in a while, right? I don't think that, I mean, we saw it tonight. Georgia's not invincible. They, they took Georgia Tech to the wire. Um, Georgia's a great team. Georgia's won, what is it, like 29 to 30 or something like that? They, they've <laughs> Georgia's crazy. But at the same time, they're not as good as they have been. They are vulnerable. And if they play a really solid defense, they could get behind. We've seen the slow starts and that's that. Same goes for all the different teams in discussion. Florida State lost their quarterback, so if they get in because they went out, I mean, you know, that's that's a tough situation. They didn't look that good against Florida tonight. Texas, they looked really, really good, but we've seen them play teams that they shouldn't very close this year. And, and there's, you know, you can go up and down the list. Washington hasn't looked super convincing. I think Oregon's about the only other team that's playing excellent football at this moment. Um, but, you know, I, I, just, I just think when I look across the landscape, I think Michigan, if they're not going to do it this year, I don't know when it's going to happen. You've got two stud running backs. you got a great quarterback who's, who's really learning to find what he can do best and, and you know, even play through not 100 percent conditions for him. And when he's not playing fully healthy, you know, able to figure out kind of how to keep his team in it. I, I think that Michigan can go all the way. My biggest issue with the entire situation is I still don't think I've watched Michigan play their best football. If they can find that, great. They're going to be hard to stop. I just don't think that they've played their best football. Uh, They'll get a tune-up against Iowa, but (laughs) outside of that, um, you know, I I think they're going to have a a long month of really important preparation um, before they hit that first semifinal game.
3: I mean, Gary, you said it all right there, but I would make the argument that today kind of was their best game. I think like this, what we saw today was not, not their peak, like by by no means are they peaking. Right. But I think when, you know, you have a tough, a tough defense you're going against, you know, you have not necessarily a hostile atmosphere, but you know, the crowds into it. I mean, that last drive, once Ryan Day started calling those timeouts is when it, it, that momentum stalled really stalled for us. I mean, we, we were going down, getting first down after first down. And my, <laughs> my 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 sweet mom, they're like, why are they just doing all these little short little run plays or short little, you know, cause like, my mom, they know what they're doing. They're running down the clock. This is what they want to do when you have, like, it was essentially almost a six minute drive, like five or six minute drive. And I was feeling really good. And then of course I had to settle for three, but I mean, you know, Georgia really doesn't scare me. Washington is very wishy-washy same with I mean now with Florida State who knows with Florida State I mean you know um, but one other injury that you didn't talk about was our our stud should be all American corner Will Johnson he didn't he played very little this second half and that makes me a little nervous when we have to play a team like Oregon who can just drop dimes like Kyle McCord did today like if he's out yep. that makes me nervous I mean I'm not really worried about our offensive line because they've been able to move pieces around left and right. And they have, yeah. you know, like Tre- Trevor Keegan can play anywhere on that offensive line. Carson Barnhart can play anywhere on that offensive line. I mean, you really wouldn't know Zach got hurt if you had known, right? I mean, his backup came in and basically just stepped right up like, all right, cool. You know, I'm just, I'm just, I'm going to join my boys and we're going to yeah. keep mowing these down to get first down to the first down. So you know, Zach's injury really doesn't scare me. I mean, and I hate to see it. I hate to see it. Like, he, right. you know, like, you, if, if you watch the postgame interviews, Blake said, you know, he's one of the guys that came back who, who, who he could have went off the NFL and made his millions. But he's like, you know what? I want to come back, you know? So I feel that. But, you know, I think it's the best is yet to come. I truly think that it's it's coming. You know, like, you're, it's going to be tuned up next week. But I think. I truly think the playoffs will be a lot different this year for Michigan than it has the past two years.
1: Well, Teddy, thanks so much for joining us, man. Enjoy this big victory, and
3: go get ready for Iowa. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you, as always, and great to be a Michigan Wolverine. Thank always great.
2: Come on, baby. Let's go.
3: Well,
1: there he goes. Teddy Moore uh, joining us once again as you know a Michigan superfan, Enjoying that big win, we love to have these guys on as uh, as often as possible. Get guys involved that you know celebrating big wins because this is a fan show after all. Well, I'm looking in the green room, and real, if he gives real, me a thumbs thing. up, I'm going to yeah. add him in here to get a couple takes. But Mitch Mason is off of the road and Hello. Has joined us in. He's fresh off of calling yet another dominant Duncanville Panther victory uh, down in Hutto, Texas, home of the Hippos today, but. <laughs> Mitch, how much college football did you get to watch today?
0: Oh, gentlemen, uh, not enough. Not nearly enough. Um, I am truly flying in here on a wing and a prayer um, for just a couple of minutes. Uh, But, yeah, I got to watch. uh, I watched A&M, LSU going down uh, and obviously switched back and forth with uh, with the game. Um, Got to watch the end of the Iron Bowl right as the game was wrapping up, which was bonkers. And then Nuts. watched most of the evening slate, uh, driving back. So, you know, uh, got some things to catch up on. No doubt. Uh, I saw my just win parlay cash. ka yes, yes, Um, you know, Haynes <laughs> King broke my heart and, uh, and, uh, didn't, uh, didn't allow Georgia to cover there at the end. I was oh, a little yeah. sad about that, but, uh, Not yeah, overall
2: Haynes King has broken your heart. So,
0: well, you know. Um but overall, yeah, it was uh, I got to watch just enough to feel like I I know what went on today.
1: Well, let's talk about that iron bowl while we have you here cuz I'd love to get your thoughts on it. Uh, Garrett, yeah, go ahead and pull that graphic up. Alabama by the skin of their teeth and by yep. what everyone is terming the Milrow miracle. Yep. Downs Auburn on the plains 27-24. Holy crap, guys. This this was one of the most electric finishes to a college football game that I can remember in quite some time. There were so many times that we thought Alabama was dead on arrival. Auburn had put them away, and yet on fourth and goal from the 31-yard line, Jalen Milrow finds a receiver in the corner of the end zone miraculous catch and it flips the game completely on its head. And then that doesn't even get into the total chaos that ensued after that, the, the ensuing kickoff and the pick six at the end of the game, but just a total chaotic ending to this year's iron bowl. And it was in Jordan Hare, So of course it was going to be a chaotic ending, right?
0: <laughs> oh, there was never a doubt. There was never a doubt. It was going to be chaotic uh, fourth and 31, as you mentioned Um, I, I would just like to say, um, you know, I don't know who tweeted it first. We were, we were tweeting Milro miracle, uh, as it happened. So I would like, you know, co author credit on on that. Uh, yeah, exactly. I think, I think the college football hall of fame in Atlanta should, uh, should list us on that plaque. Um, I mean, what a, what a job by Nick Saban in Alabama. I mean, you guys were texting me, as we were finishing up uh, our playoff game. So I was reading through texts as I was pulling that up. And I mean, from the way that y'all were talking about it, it looked like Alabama was dead, uh, that, that Auburn was going to, Oh, they looked pretty dead for a second there. Yeah. That Auburn, if they didn't win by, you know, one was going to win by, uh, at least a full score. I think the punt, the muffed punt was the absolute game changer. Um, you know, (laughs) gosh, like, (laughs) You got to feel for that Auburn kid just slipping. Didn't didn't like muff it traditionally. Just slipped. I don't know if it was raining there or not, but um, Alabama then able to, you know, a, a at least threaten. Uh, and Trey, as you texted me, oh gosh, Alabama's melting down, and, and to get in that fourth and thirty-one and create another chapter in this historic rivalry, it's just um, just incredible. Saban finds a way to win, and uh, you got to tip your cap.
1: Well, and that melting down was. Auburn or Alabama, excuse me, driving down inside the 10. Of course the center snaps it over Milrose's head right past him. He's not ready for the snap that sets them up backwards. Then on the very next play, Jalen Milrose scrambling throws the ball after he's already crossed the line of scrimmage. Just looked like, you yep. know, stuff you never see from a Nick Saban coach team when the game is on the line. And yet there they were fourth and 31 Isaiah bond comes up huge with the reception in the back of the end zone. And, you know, I, I joked it's survival week and that's exactly what Alabama did, right? They kept their slim playoff hopes alive. Auburn wanted nothing more than to ruin the season and just send Alabama home. I guess they would still get to go to Atlanta regardless next week. But, you know, make that game pretty much meaningless for the Crimson side if Auburn wins this one. And Auburn ran the ball really, really well. 244 yards on the ground, only 93 through the air. They didn't really need that. Um, and you know, it felt like Auburn was right there. They, they had a couple miscues that a six and six team is going to have with a more talented team. And that's what held them back from finally getting this one done at the end. So, you know, hats off to Auburn for competing, especially after what they went through last week. And I think Hugh Freeze can draw some positives from this, but you know, the end of this game has to just be absolutely heartbreaking for Auburn and their fan base.
2: Well, and Trey, it's the, miscues none more than the fact that they sent out their backup punt returner, and he was the guy who muffed that punt. Oh, the, he wasn't even supposed to be on the field. I don't know, like if it was just it couldn't find the regular guy, or maybe he didn't have his you know shoelace tied or something. I mean, any number of things as to why he wasn't on the field. But that's he's crazy. Sending your backup punt returner—he's the guy who muffs it. And only because I believe it's only because he called for a fair catch was why they stopped the ball dead there. They might have preferred if Bama just walked that one in so they get the ball back. And I mean, man, like it, that was that was brutal. And I do want to pull this one to a quick comment here. Go watch the Auburn D line last play. Rushing two, spying one. They had a spy. Yeah. On and from the 30. Yeah. yeah. What, what? Don't worry, guys. If he takes off, we've got 31 yards to they, react to it.
0: They ran nine Velcro with a
2: spy, uh, which is just
0: unfathomably stupid. I, I
2: yeah. it's uh, and, well, and the other issue, too. So when I look at this, uh, like, as a whole, I still don't think that, like watching this game, Bamba I don't think has what it takes to win the whole thing. I don't think they'll be able to beat Georgia. But I want to go hats off to Milrow on this one because Milroe just for some reason this year keeps willing his team to win. He keeps pushing him over the top. He's an absolute warrior. He's finding ways to win. And we have been critical of his arm talent and his ability to throw. That pass to the back of the end zone was a dime. That's about as perfect as a pass can get look, at the end of the day, you got to go hats off to him. And there were mistakes on the Auburn side. But, you know, 99 other quarterbacks in college football throw that thing out the back of the end zone or it gets picked. And Milrow made a great pass to pull that one off.
0: Trey, can we talk about real quick just how crazy this rivalry always is? Uh, And I think exhibit A, your honor, is the fact that you looked at the 93 passing yards in the Auburn stat sheet and said, yeah, they didn't really need those today. And yet they were one to two just terrible defensive plays away from knocking off the Crimson Tide. Like, that is rivalry week in a nutshell.
1: Yeah, and it it seemed like, you know, anytime Alabama, and this is going back to Garrett's Jalen Milrow comments, like anytime they needed the big third down pickup down the stretch, they were getting it when that comeback yeah. was on and they melted, Alabama melted down a couple times as they were entering scoring position too down the stretch. But, you know, the clutch factor and Nick Saban just coming up, you know, it's a well-coached team. He said it in the interview. Hey, we practice that, right? We practice, we practice, you know, situations like this all the time. It's a well-coached team that's going to come up big in big yeah. situations and, you know, credit to both of these coaches for giving us just a fantastic, uh, fantastic game because, it, like I said earlier, it would have been really easy for Auburn to just fall over after they fall down early. Uh, after the debacle against New Mexico State last week, no one would have blamed you for uh, getting up for this one at the beginning and then after you fall down, just, you know, falling over. But, you know, mm-hmm. great game. Fantastic example of what rivalry we can uh, bring. And, you know, Alabama now has a lot of questions to answer as they go into Georgia next week
2: one one quick thing before we wrap this up and it's kind of a going into the off season note for Auburn. Obviously, I think we all know Auburn's going to get better. I think what they showed this year, they're going to be able to, you know, play the portal pretty well and get some guys in there. One thing that I highlighted in our notes, Auburn's got to figure out the quarterback position. You, you cannot have a run only quarterback. They passed for 93 yards today and you're not going to win very many games, especially not against Alabama with 93 yards passing that I think is going to be one of the bigger off season storylines is figuring out who's going to be the signal caller in Auburn um, and, and kind of figuring out who they're going to put back there, because that could change a lot of things next year with, you know, new conferences and, and, you know, everybody else that's coming in, they still should be playing Alabama and Georgia. And again, those being two of the top teams, if they get a better signal caller, they played both of these teams extremely close And a better signal caller, a better passing ability, anything in the pass game, just a pulse probably brings them over the top.
1: Mitch, we'll get you out of here on this one before, uh, unless you want, you can hang out as long as you want to. I'm not going to kick you off the show. But uh, Austin does (laughs) want to know could the Duncanville defense stop Ollie Gordon? Your thoughts?
0: Oh, boy. Duncanville front. Seven was hellacious today. Um, Yeah, man, Ollie Gordon, what, another five touchdowns? Is that right? Five touchdowns. In a double overtime victory, the first time uh, that a poke running back had scored five touchdowns since one Mr. Barry Sanders did it in his Heisman campaign season. about the only other one to think about. Uh, So, you know, I'm going to go ahead and say no. Uh, I think Mr. Ollie Gordon, a guy that um, myself – Many other experts uh, around, not that I'm an expert, but many experts around the Texas high school scene pounded the table for the in-state schools to offer him. Big ones did not, and uh, he went right on
2: up to Stillwater and is a Ah. legend and should be considered for the Heisman. Look, I saw him up close and personal, Trinity high school. That's my alma mater. Look, it's, it's, it's insane to me that nobody offered this guy. He was getting 30, 40, 50 carries a game and just, Carrying Trinity through the playoffs, they didn't belong in those playoffs. He he played South Lake close with Quinn, and uh, I mean to do that, that's that's something else. And so, look, Ali, he's that dude. He can absolutely do it. Um, uh, he should get a a flight to New York, or at least get an honorable mention or something like that, because what he's done to bring Oklahoma State back from basically the depths. Uh, I mean, look, guys, they lost to South Alabama, and. I mean, we're dead and in it the water. Wasn't close.
0: It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't close. They,
2: they got blown out, boot off the field at halftime, and then they decided, wait, hold on a second. I've been noticing that guy's pretty good in practice. Should we just start giving him the ball? And they did that, and they started winning. So yep. shout out to Oklahoma State for no one was good for him and, and pulling that off. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if anybody could stop Ollie Gordon right now. Maybe Michigan. They got a pretty good defense, but uh, I I'd put me in the doubt category for anybody stopping Ollie Gordon right now. Well Mitch, Mitch, like I said, uh
1: get some rest if you need to. Feel free to hang out if you want to. No rules here. It's a live recap show for Rivalry Week. We don't we don't have any rules over uh, here.
0: What's 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 next? I've got a, I've got let's a few more Apple minutes to me. Apple Cup do it.
1: So Apple Cup go. happened and it was nuts also. Uh this these game this game went final right around the same time as the Iron Bowl. 24-21. Washington wins it. On a walk-off field goal, they complete a 12-0 season for the first time. Uh, complete an undefeated regular season for the first time since 1991. That last drive, guys. It's fourth and one deep in Washington territory. Kalen DeBoer lines up to go for it. They fake out everybody in the stadium, including the cameraman. The whole Play action pitch to Roma Dunze who runs around the outside for about 30 yards to pick up the first down. I I thought that he get handed off inside and got stuffed and Washington state was about to get the ball in plus plus territory. And that's not what happened. What Roma Dunze gets the ball. I'm starting to think that we were highlighting the wrong Heisman candidate this whole time guys, because Roma Dunze two more touchdowns through the air today, both amazing plays He's starting to make a case that he might be, you know, not only the best wide receiver in the country but maybe the best player in the country as he continues to lead this Washington offense through some really dark times recently. They they have not put on the best performances down the stretch. They're not the offense that we saw at the beginning of the year, but they're still winning games and they're still figuring out a way to get through this uh Pac-12 schedule undefeated. They earned their trip to uh, Las Vegas next week to take on Oregon, but it was not without a lot of difficulty today. Washington State gave them all they could handle. Cam Ward basically outplayed Michael Penix Jr. Michael Penix should have had a couple more picks and one on Whoa. the second to last play of the game that just dropped right into the hands of the Washington State defender that he well, dropped. But
3: he
2: and, and he threw on another drive, one. Actually. He threw another one a couple plays earlier where he threw yeah. one kind of short in the end zone and I don't know what the Washington State defender was doing, but it looked like he ran into the ball and just didn't realize he could pick it off. Yeah, I don't know what he was doing or thinking, but it—it, it, I mean, it probably surprised him that he threw that bad of a pass. And I don't want to totally just take that over, but I don't think that Washington has looked near good enough recently to to warrant some of the top four consideration. And I understand they're undefeated and they won games. You got to give them credit for winning games. You can't take that away from them. But I mean and maybe this is a question for the, for the preview next time, but what do we really think about next week? Cause I texted y'all. I think Oregon's about to stomp Washington in this conference championship game. They've Oregon's looked really, really good the last several weeks. They've been blowing teams out, including shared opponents with Washington. And Washington's kind of just finding a way to survive. And, and that's not to take away from a It's not to take away from, you know, what Pennix can do, but I, I just, I, I haven't seen the same kind of, the same kind of offense to just, you know, throw it down there, score, you know, you know, close to 40 in the first half type of offense in a long time.
0: So question from the peanut gallery, because I did not get to watch any of the apple cup until the last, I believe the last two drives, the rush yards and pass yards on the graphic should be switched. Is that right? I'm assuming we didn't have quarterbacks throw for. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All Not right, because Gray said <laughs> that Ward out-dueled Penix, and I was like, oh, that doesn't seem like much of a flex.
1: Based that on is, opinion. yes. That's what we Okay, okay. Just, on side,
0: yeah. just making sure. Yeah, um, yeah th- my only comment on, on the Apple Cup, I guess, is is twofold. First of all, yes, you absolutely have to give credit to Washington for winning games, just like mm-hmm. you have to give credit to Texas for winning games, just like you have to give credit to Alabama. But the play calling on that fourth on that last drive for Washington, the fourth and one aside. All right. That one worked. But then after they got inside field goal range, why on earth did the yes. Huskies keep throwing the ball Run the ball? All Show you needed. Block. It was like Kalen Bohr was like literally testing fire. Oh, let's see how close I can get to not going Go to the playoffs and survive. And it didn't, it didn't make any sense.
2: He throws the two phantom interceptions and then on that third down, he gets sacked. He loses massive field position. Made that field goal way yeah. harder than it needed to be.
0: Yeah, the sack. You could have
2: was... just handed the ball off. Said, "Yeah, we're not going to score on this one. Maybe if you score it through, you know, you can kind of, you know, find your way through a little lane and score." But right now, yeah. just go down, two hands on the football, put this thing in the middle. Let's make this thing an easy kick. Uh, I'm Mitch. I'm with you, man. That was confusing play calling. And and I mean, at the end of the day, you still scored twenty four total against Washington State, who has not exactly been a killer defense. Um and has put up, you know, they've let up some big numbers. I look, man, I'm I'm not trying to be that guy, but I just don't think Washington has what it takes. I, I think that something went wrong. They have it in there. We saw it at the beginning of the season, but they've completely lost it since the Oregon game. And, and it almost felt like that Oregon game was their season for some reason because they stopped competing after that game.
0: They they rise and fall, it seems like, with the level of their opponent. And I mean that is uh... That may not be an accurate assessment at all. We're looking at a 12 game sample size and they're undefeated. So, um, but at the same time, it, it's like outside of the non conference schedule, they've kind of played right there with their opponent, whether they're a good team or not. Uh, Trey, you know, listen, is you and I were leading the Cam Ward parade a year too early, I feel like we're going to be the guys that, uh, you know, break out Cam Ward's name or maybe Jake Dickert's name in a sports trivia contest later on in life. Um, you know, the results just didn't end up being there, but you know, I, I think uh, I think sometimes the the real prize is the friends we made along the way, and uh, I, I feel that I feel that in my heart about this Wazoo team. Uh, five and seven is just not not indicative of what either of us kind of thought this team would be, uh, what we thought Cam Ward would be. But, uh, you know, I think uh, I think we take some some fond memories into the next stage of life. So here's
1: my counterpoint to all that. And I I hear what you guys are saying.
0: Beautiful eulogy, man. Come on.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Here's my counterpoint, though. It is probably more difficult to go undefeated in the Pac-12 for whatever reason than almost any other conference on God's greener.
2: That's pretty fair.
1: It is the first time that any team has gone undefeated through a season, not just a conference season, but a se- an entire season in the Pac-12 conference since 2010. Oregon did it on the way to the BCS National Championship oh, wow, game yeah. appearance where they lost to Auburn. So it has not been done in quite some time, and Washington was able to find And a it way won't ever it. happen again. And it will not ever happen again as we are still watching. You know, It's ticking down to halftime here in the last Pac-12 after dark game and it has been a pac 12 after dark game with a scoop and score called off a lot of fumbles two or three picks <laughs> and a kickoff return touchdown already 13-7 Cal up but man i you you can't you got to give them credit for winning you're absolutely right mitch they haven't been doing it pretty they've been playing some tough opponents recently you know like i don't want to make excuses for washington they don't need me to carry water for them but It's going to be really easy. And, yeah, Andrew, you're absolutely right in the chat. It it is very hard to go undefeated in the SEC, too. It's just something weird happens in the Pac-12 where all these teams are so comparable. And it's very difficult for um, – it's difficult to go undefeated in any conference, but it just hasn't happened in the Pac-12 in a really long time. So, yeah, Washington did it. They're going to have to figure out a way to beat Oregon next week, guys. Right now. Where would you set the line on that game if you were the odds maker?
2: I'd put Oregon minus four just because they've looked better. Um, And and I realize that's maybe not entirely fair because they did lose earlier in the season. But, I I mean, if you've watched football the last, you know, week or so, the last, you know, month or so, the last, you know, couple months, I think Oregon just looks like the far and away better team. They're better in all phases. Bo Nix is, I mean, outclassing the rest of the country. We'll talk about that in a second, but Bo Nix is looking extremely good. I I think I'd put Oregon as a pretty moderate. I wouldn't put him at like a touchdown favorite, but I'd give him four, maybe five points.
0: I'd say Oregon minus three and a half uh, for all the same reasons that uh, the Garrett said.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think I'm right there with you. I'm doing a quick search to see if anybody has. A line on that yet our friends at my bookie did not i'll keep looking there uh and see if i can find that throughout the rest of the show but it'll be fascinating to see when that drops tomorrow but again washington wins the apple cup uh 24 21 it's gonna be fascinating to see how that game turns out next week oregon versus washington in vegas on friday night well We'll say goodnight to Mitch. Mitch is gonna go get some well earned rest after a long day of driving across this great state. <laughs> uh, and we'll we'll see you next time, Mitch.
0: Thanks, guys. Looking forward to uh, listening to the rest of the show in the morning. Hearing uh, – heard some breaking news come across the wire, so I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, hearing
2: – Might be doing a Sunday special again this week. I was going to say,
0: yeah, hearing kind of maybe some <laughs> rapid reaction, and I know we're going to have uh, have more coming up. So,
1: anyway, Woo go forward the
0: show, and, uh, yeah, have a great night.
1: I think I'm Here sick it. that day, so uh, we'll, we'll oh, see. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm sick tomorrow. <laughs> I um, think I'm
2: sick tomorrow. I'm really feeling something coming on, yeah.
1: Well, Garrett, let's get into the rest of the college football playoff continues. We talked about Oregon. They were all over <clears throat> Oregon State and state rivals in the Civil War. 31-7 to over the Beavers on Friday night. And Garrett, you said in our show, Doc, that Bo Nix should win the Heisman as a result of this performance.
2: Look, I'm, I'm willing to plant the flag on this one. And, and look, I understand that Jaden Daniels is an excellent quarterback. I think it's come down to those two, Jaden Daniels and Bo Nix, and if Jaden Daniels wins it, I'm not going to be devastated or heartbroken. That's probably a, a decent pick. But after what Bo Nix has been able to do with Oregon, what he's been able to win, I do think winning should matter when it comes to the Heisman Trophy. Um, it shouldn't just go to the best quarterback on the winningest team, but it, it should go to a quarterback who has taken this Oregon Ducks team and has uh, he's lit the whole thing on fire. He's just he's he's crushing the world right now. And I wouldn't want to fight, you know, I wouldn't want to go up against him if I was, you know, one of those defense corners trying to fight what he's doing right now. I wouldn't want to do that because he gets to do what he wants to. It's an awesome story as well. I think that's kind of a thing you have to have with these situations. And not to say that Jaden Daniels didn't have a good story, but Bo Nix, I mean, failed at Auburn, completely failed, fell in his face, goes to Oregon. Game one, you get stomped by Georgia. And, you know, that's that um since then he's just been amazing he's looked so good and this year i mean fantastic he's set the i think this was the record for um completions i think by an oregon quarterback since i think marcus mariota was the last guy he held it up 314 bonex at 315 um he's got almost four thousand yards passing 37 touchdowns two interceptions he's got a 189 rating for the year Um, He does have six rushing touchdowns as well, so 43 total touchdowns. Um, I I just think that he's been one of the best players uh, all year. I I don't think that you are here without him if you're Oregon. He just makes everyone around him better. Uh, The way that he's able to use guys, you know, the running backs coming out the backfield, some of these wide receivers who, not that they're not talented, but kind of came out of nowhere to be these massive players. Um, I, I just love what he's able to do at Oregon. I think he should win the Heisman Trophy. Um, and you know, I'm fairly willing to plant my flag in the ground on that.
1: And the betting odds agree with you. He is now the betting odds on favorite to win the Heisman trophy. It's going to come down to next week. I think for that, I think if he has a great game against Washington, he leads the ducks to a win in a PAC 12 championship. Mm -hmm. It's his for the taking. Sure. Um, if they can't beat Washington, I think Michael Penix could slide back in there if he's if he has a big game, has a big Heisman moment. Penix would have
2: to have a massive game. It would have I to know, be I a think, new year like game. Like Four or five hundred yards passing, like that type of but thing. But I yeah. think
1: that's what it's gonna take to be working yeah. next week. So it, it might.
2: Well, and this is a point that I wanted to make about this game. Was when you look at the way that Oregon played Oregon State versus what just happened with Washington and Oregon State, it's a night and day difference. And, and it's not just what they were able to do on offense, right? Because offensively, look, Oregon didn't have their best game running the football. They, you know, kind of stifled not not necessarily stifled. They ran for over 100 as a team, but uh, uh, you know, Irving wasn't really able to get that much going on the ground. I think he averaged less than three on the ground, so so he was having his issues. But Bo Nix took over like he just took over for this team and, and he, you know, found guys down the field. Tez Johnson, Troy Franklin both went over 100 yards. There's that, you know, big kind of comeback route that Troy Franklin took around the side and scored. Um, and, and I mean, that was a whole lot of fun. Um, but the Ducks defense is what really got. They dominated in the run game. 53 total yards. Damian Martinez had 13 carries for 38 yards. They completely took that out of the game. Partially because they got up, but also they just didn't let him get anything going on the ground. And so for me right now, I think Oregon is one of the most dangerous teams in the country. Um, I don't think anyone would want to see Oregon right now. I do agree that the Oregon-Texas thing would be fun from a from a you know kind of electricity standpoint. Only thing I'll say on the Oregon-Texas thing is I do think that what Oregon does well on defense matches up well against Texas. Because they'll be able to take the run game away. And when you can pressure Quinn, I still think that that's where they start to lose a little bit more. Um, and I don't necessarily trust that Quinn would make as many plays under pressure as what Knicks would be able to do under pressure. Um, Not to say the Texas defense wouldn't play well as well. Uh, It'd just be a really fun one to watch. Um, But I think right now, Oregon's a really dangerous team. I don't think anyone wants to see them. Um, And and I think that if they're able to get past Washington and if they're able to make it into the playoff, this could be your like dark horse peaking at the right time national championship right here. So uh, I'm really looking at the Ducks right now. Do you think it's a play-in game? Do you think that the... I do. Good. Yeah, no, I think it's for sure a play-in game. I think both of these teams have looked really – if Washington wins, they're in. They're an undefeated conference champion. You deserve the playoff. If Oregon wins, as I think we're all kind of alluding, this is what we think. Um, If Oregon wins this one and it's convincing, I think that they've looked better all year. If you just look at resume to resume, who have they beaten? They've beaten pretty much everyone in front of them by big margins. Um, They're scoring well. They're playing great defense. And given what's happening with Florida State, which I don't love, but I kind of get it, um, and given what's happening, uh, you know, across the country and and just kind of what I think I expect to happen, I do think this ends up being a play-in game. Um, and if Oregon is your four seed, if it's Georgia or if it's Michigan, they really got to take that first game seriously because Oregon could, Oregon could come out and straight thrash either of those teams. If Bo Nix has it going, and they can get some stuff going on the ground a little bit more that they could thrash either of these teams and it could be an embarrassing look for both of them. So I like right now I'm not trying to get too high on Oregon but I'm I'm sipping the the Ducks Kool-Aid right now. I'm I'm trying to figure out which of the 156 jerseys I'm trying to order online uh, you know because I'm I'm starting to get a little bit of that Duck fever um and I'm I'm liking the way that the Ducks are looking and I, I think they could be that dark horse to win it all right now. So I don't know. It'll be fun to watch how it plays out.
1: Well, and if you have duck fever, uh, make sure, be sure to check out our friends at Homefield Apparel. You can find your, yeah. uh, you can find anything you need uh, to get ready for the Pac-12 Championship game. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a fantastic game on Friday night. I'm really excited for that one, Garrett. Let's move on to some of our other playoff contenders. We'll wrap those up, and then we'll kind of rapid fire through the rest of the conferences. Texas walloped Texas Tech on Friday night. 57 to 7 was the final score. Texas finally played a complete game and didn't let a team back in. I say that and yet, you know, there's still a lot of questions about Quinn Ewers' performance. Um, Texas is good. Andrew just Andrew posted in the chat, "Texas is good, really good." I think that's absolutely right. I think they could I still think they could be in trouble when it comes down to the final uh, you know, situation here. Austin, I'm going to put his comment up here. Austin's asking, what does Texas need to do to make the top four? They've got to obliterate Oklahoma State next week, I think. 100%. They're going to have all the eyeballs in the early slot, the Big 12 championship game. They have got to absolutely annihilate Oklahoma State. That's step one. And I still think they need a little bit of help. They need Louisville to beat Florida State. And you know they got to be cheering hard for Oregon. They've got to be cheering hard um, for uh, maybe Alabama. It's upset Georgia. I don't know that Georgia would fall all the way to four. Like I I don't know how that Alabama Georgia game
2: affects Texas. Because look, I think they need Alabama to lose, honestly. Because I think they do too.
1: I I really do. Gets
2: the four seed if they lose. I, I think they need
1: they need Alabama to lose to Georgia. Andrew, uh, if is that line you're talking about the um, Texas game or the L- uh, Louisville game? Because if Louisville's favored by 11 and a half, I'd be shocked. Uh, I think well, probably Florida the State.
2: Texas game just because I think okay. they're a lot. I, I don't know that for sure. I mean, look, I, I don't think Florida State factors in right now because I do think there's a really good chance that they end up losing that title game just because, I mean, Louisville they didn't look good today. They lost Kentucky, but they're still a really good team. Um, Florida State, not very convincing. But I think even taking Florida State out of the equation, I think right now it's looking like, if I'm guessing, I'm thinking Georgia wins, they're probably number one. Michigan's probably going to end up being number two. Um, I think Michigan will probably hop Georgia for the moment, but if Georgia beats Bama, they'll go back to number one. So they're probably one and two regardless. Um, And then where we're at from there is got two spots for winner of the Pac-12 championship game. I think that's a play and you're in. I'd like to say that Texas is in if they make the, you know, if they win their conference, I think another one loss conference chamber should get in, but you got to remember like the, the playoff committee loves to find ways to, you know, mess around with this and find, you know, they'll, they'll find a way to put Ohio state at number four. Like they're just going to find some way. They'd find a way to put Washington at number four, if it avoids a rematch, but they think that Washington looked really good. Like let's say that Oregon beats Washington, like, 45-42 or something like that. And if both offenses were electric, they both looked really, really good. It's just a barely squeaked it out type of thing. I think there's a good chance that Washington with their solo loss could get in. And I'm not saying that they deserve that. I'm just saying it is on the, it's, it's something that I could see the committee doing. And so I think that if Texas wants the best chance to get in, they need it to go chalk for a little bit um because if it goes chalk then they're fine like texas has to be the biggest washington fans in the world right now because they need that undefeated conference champ there and then everybody else needs to hold two losses if they can do that then it's just them and their conference championship versus you know ohio state and their one loss um and and, you know at that point who knows what the committee is going to do i half the time i think they're just doing it for ratings so who knows but it's it's a tough decision to say Um, but Texas needs a little bit of help. If they do thrash Oklahoma state, they should be okay, but uh, they need a little help. Yeah.
1: They've just, they've just got an undefeated team problem. We haven't had four undefeateds this late in the season. Yep. Texas is a deserving team. They, you know, 11 and one in a power conference is always impressive. If they can get one more win and go 12 and one, that's an impressive resume. That's a playoff worthy resume. Most years. They're just running into a problem this year. There's too many good teams at the top. And, And, you know, Austin asked again, does the common opponent matter? You know, Oregon played Texas Tech. I don't think so. This is a much different Tech team with Tyler Shuck, I think, at quarterback than Baron Morton. And to me, that doesn't matter. I think it's too far removed with week two versus week 13. That,
2: I think that's the real problem is it's different points in the season. It should right. matter. Like that should be a comparison. My only issue is you say like a lot's happened since then. Um, my, I think Texas's biggest issue is the fact that if you look at the last several weeks, they smoked Texas tech, but they didn't really take care of business at Iowa State. I mean, they won, they've won these games, right? But they, they didn't look yeah. that good against Iowa State didn't look that good against TCU, didn't look that good against Kansas State. And even going back to Houston, that was a game they escaped. And I know the circumstances with, you know, the quarterback injury and all that. Like, I get that, but that's still a game that happened. And so when you're looking at that from a resume standpoint, and then on the flip side, Oregon is smoking people back to back to back. And, you know, Washington's undefeated and, and all the other teams that could factor into this, you know, Ohio State even you know, being an issue. I think that's the only thing where that could get held against them come time for the playoff committee to decide. I I don't think that that should, I think you should get credit for winning your games the same way that Washington's getting credit for winning their games, but it is something I could see the committee doing. And so I'm just, I'm trying to pump the brakes a little bit on expectations for Texas fans, because though I think it makes sense to put them in, if they win their conference, I still think the resume maybe holds them back a little bit since they're, they're playing some closer games into the season.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, the committee has communicated that that's how they view Texas, right? If Texas would be ranked ahead of Oregon by the committee, if they thought that Texas was a better team than Oregon at this point in the season. And it's just really hard to leapfrog somebody this late in the season. It's going to be fascinating. And this is my last thing on Texas standing it's going to be fascinating to see where Ohio state lands. And I think that's going to be your tell on if Texas has a real chance to get in or not, because yeah. if Ohio state is still ranked ahead of Texas, I think Texas might be done. Like, I hate to say that. I think you're time, probably
2: right. Unfortunately,
1: but like, what is Ohio say? Unless you beat Oklahoma state by 50, then, then maybe the committee has a chance, but that's just the committee giving an excuse mm-hmm. to put, let yeah. Ohio state back door their way. in. Well, I don't I- want that. I don't want Ohio state to get the four seed. I'm just saying that you got to pay really close attention to where they put the Buckeyes on Tuesday night. And it's going to be fascinating.
2: If I'm ranking this, like if I, if I'm making my own, and we'll talk about this on the preview. So tune back in for that. But if I'm ranking this, I'm probably putting Michigan one, Georgia two, just based off of what I've seen. And then I'm putting winner of the pac 12 championship at three and Texas, if they win Texas at four, And I'm rocking with that because it should be just straight conference champs. The only caveat there is if Florida state finds a way to beat Louisville, then you have a real issue on your hands. If you're Texas, because then you have to argue with the, well, yeah, I know that they don't have the quarterback, but they are 13 and 0 with the conference championship. Do you punish that? I mean, maybe, but I don't know that that's super fair. Uh, We talked about that. It's, it's not fair to the other 21 starters all year if they punish Florida state for Jordan Travis, not being your quarterback. So it's, it's, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. This is the most interesting we've seen the, the playoff get. I think since probably that Baylor TCU situation back, you know, 2014, 2015, whenever that was. Um, I think this is as interesting as it's gotten all that to say, and kind of wrapping this one up a little bit, doesn't this just prove we need the 12 teams? like, we shouldn't be having this conversation. We should just be saying, Oh, Texas 12 and one with the conference championship. Sure. They get to play for the playoff. Right. There shouldn't be any question about, well, but were they a little more deserving than Florida state without their quarterback or well, what about Oregon and Washington? Like we shouldn't be having that conversation. It should be a conversation about 10, 11 and 12. And, you know, does Louisville drop out of contention now that they dropped to Kentucky because, you know, they're kind of in it fringe, but you know, you lost the game. So here you are, you know, That should be the conversation we're having as opposed to, you know, an obviously deserving Texas team not getting in.
1: I'm with you. I'm with you. It's going to be fascinating to see how the committee handles that this week. Let's talk about the three other games with playoff implications this week just really quickly. Florida State and Georgia took care of business on the road against in-state rivals. but Kind of. (laughs) <laughs> I'll give them check mark. I'll give them plus marks for taking care of business in a rivalry game. Right? Like th- those are weird situations. Weird things can happen. Both of those. Uh, Florida was fighting for bowl eligibility. Florida State with a backup quarterback. They win 24 to 15, a big defensive stand for Florida State. And Georgia wins 31-23 over Georgia Tech. That really, Carson Beck threw an interception in the end zone. That could have been a 14-point swing. For Georgia so that that score kind of looks a little bit closer than how that game ended up but you know both teams took care of business both teams finished the regular season undefeated both teams have really tough tests next week Um, I know uh, Rodemaker was uh, knocked out of the game for Florida State they were briefly on their third string quarterback but he did return uh, for the end of that possession where he was knocked out on a targeting call and Georgia like I said Carson Beck probably his worst game of the season. Um, And that's what kept Georgia Tech in it, especially early. But, you know, survive in advance. It's survival week Survive in advance, take care of business next week, and all will be forgiven. Um, Gary, do you have any big thoughts on either of those two games?
2: I mean, besides the fact that I've been a bit of a Georgia Tech homer this year, and I'm I'm just super proud of the way that team played. um, They absolutely fought. They absolutely put it to Georgia. I think Georgia is vulnerable. Um, I didn't think that it would be this close. I think we all picked Georgia to cover, but I mean, shout out to Georgia Tech for staying in this thing. I know, you know, you can say, oh, it was Carson Beck's worst, you know, worst game of the year. Georgia Tech forced him to do that, and they put enough pressure on him offensively to stay in that game and force him to have to make good plays. So I I don't know. I just, I'm thinking, I'm thinking that Georgia's maybe a little bit eh on this one. I'm thinking, you know, there's, there's a chance that Georgia could be vulnerable. Um and yeah, I, I just think that Georgia Tech played really well, and I'm I'm happy for that program. I'm excited to see what Georgia Tech does in the off season. I'm excited to see if they can really dominate the portal because they did well in the portal last year. But now that they can actually sell something, you know, I'm I'm optimistic that something good could happen. So we'll we'll, we'll see what could happen with Georgia Tech. I not a lot to say about Florida State and Florida. I, I think it's just again, Florida State's got to keep trying to find a way to win, and then when they You know, when they get to that point where it's time to decide, you hope it's 13-0 and and you hope that you have enough of a case to make it. So, survive in advance, do what you got to do. Yeah.
1: Um, Georgia Tech could be a thorn in the side of the Bulldogs for the years to come. That could be very, very interesting to see if that rivalry game develops some steam again. Only other game that kind of had playoff implications. Louisville had, you know, a sliver of hope to maybe get there that's all gone now Kentucky wins the Commonwealth Cup 38 to 31 it's the I think fourth or fifth straight win for the Wildcats in this rivalry game Mark Stoops has kind of owned Louisville and he completely uh vindicated that take today um also Mark Stoops has been involved in some rumors tonight Garrett uh we might have I, another I think, Greg Ciano situa- situa- situation
2: situation. Mitch, Mitch can you know aggressively tell us no in the comments or hop in if he feels like it. Um, I feel like since this has been shot down by Pete Thamel and others, I feel like it's probably safe to talk about this briefly. Yeah, i I'm, I, I feel like it. it's I know we weren't gonna talk about it tonight. So just off the bat that we weren't going to talk about it tonight. It broke kind of before we did this, like in the, you know, 30 minutes leading up to it, that uh, Mark Stoops was going to be the head coach at AM. It was, you know, signed, sealed, delivered. They're crossing their T's, dotting their I's. Billy Lucci talked about it on tech sags. And, and when Billy Lucci says something with regards to a m it's happening, right? It's, he, he doesn't get stuff wrong. He's connected with people. That's that. Um and if you're plugged in with An and fan base, or you have that, um, you have that whole you know tab that says Aggie football, or or a subscription to tax and you read that thread, you know that stuff got volatile fast. I mean, stuff stuff got pretty rough pretty quick. There were like 29 pages on that Lucci art, you know, thread talking about how, you know, oh my gosh, like this is awful, this is terrible, fire everybody, get you know Ross Bjork out of here, this is awful, and um according to Pete Thamel I'll go ahead and pull this from Twitter real quick but uh yeah I'll let me scroll this in real quick but Kentucky's Mark Soups will not be the next Texas a m coach ESPN can confirm so um I, I like this idea right here Luj fired up the troops and they went and Big court from oh, we'll, we'll here
1: I've got one for you Garrett I'm going to I'm going to present really quickly right. and yeah go uh, for it Here it is right here here's the official Response from Texas and Company, uh, it's mission accomplished, man. Like uh,
2: we we got <laughs> yeah,
3: we, we got, got him. Good Ladies job, and gentlemen.
1: Guys.
2: We got him. <laughs> um, yeah. So it. Like I'm not good. trying to tell any tales outside of class here, but. Trey and I had a little bit of a frustrated vent session. Me specifically, <laughs> I mean, Trey wasn't happy about it, but I was extra not happy about <laughs> it. Um, this was the first time I even considered breaking TOS and and you know having a non-safe beverage on the stream just because I was so pent up, stressed about this decision. Um, I I am so proud of this community right now. If if this really happened because you know the fan base decided to revolt. Um, and especially if Lucci was actually thinking ahead on this one, saying, like, that sucks, I'm not going to let that happen, then just shout out to Texas A&M. A lot of people give us crap for being unified and being weird and everything else, but if this is what it gets us every now and then, I will freaking take it.
1: Man, I'm seeing – this is not a Week 13 recap, so I apologize if people don't <laughs> want to hear this, but um I'm, seeing, week 13, current, I'm so. seeing current players – celebrating this move too <laughs> that uh I'm seeing Terry and York uh celebrating it. I'm seeing several I'll, current I'll be players. on the
2: Aggy tab for a second seeing if I can pull some tweets.
1: Yeah. So you know yeah. What are you gonna do? That that's a fantastic, fantastic situation. Uh it's too bad, Casey Smith. I, I don't really trust your uh acumen in these things. So um <laughs> Garrett, let's get back to the games for just a little bit. I guess we can segue this into the SEC.
2: No, that's a perfect um, segue A&M, because we got a game to talk about involving these Texas A&M Aggies.
1: A&M lost to LSU today, 42-30. to yep, Jaden yep. Daniels played really well. Um, he looked like a Heisman candidate against a pretty you solid sure, Aggie defense, but the bugaboos that have hit the Aggies all year, uh, lack of depth at the cornerback position, lack of anybody that can really lock down. A good receiver, um, and some defensive, uh, scheming issues reared their ugly head yet again. Um, yeah, I mean, to me, this was Jaden Daniels being Jaden Daniels in the second half. He kind of put the team on his back, led LSU to a victory. LSU is going to have a chance at 10 wins in back to back seasons to start. Oh, my God.
2: Shout out Barstool A&M for this one. That was a good one. That's great.
1: That's, That's great. Fun. Um, I mean, it was Jaden Daniels being Jaden Daniels. Uh, Jalen Henderson had a great game, a great first half, looked really efficient. Um, But, yeah, Daniels was just too good. Um, He made plays when he needed to, and is going to have a chance at back-to-back 10-win seasons to start Brian Kelly's tenure. Yeah,
2: well, and the funny thing is Henderson technically outpassed Daniels, but that had a lot to do with just some desperation stuff and having to try to catch up and everything else. Look, Jaden Daniels was super effective on the ground, especially one of the main problems. We kept saying it was – you know, Aggies are breaking contain on the edge, and he would just hit that, you know, edge, roll out the other way, take it 20, 30, 40, 50 yards, and, and there's just nobody out there because, I mean, if you can't play contain on the edge and you can't do that, um, it, you know, it's going to be a bad time. Sometimes a spy gets caught up and stuff, and that happens. You still have to maintain your integrity on the edges and, and find a way to not let that up. Um, you got to get a little bit more depth if you're the ends there. At the same time, it's Jane. It's it's Jane Daniels, right? He's he's a great quarterback. Um, he's a you know Heisman Trophy finalist for a reason. And I think that it's it's gonna be really interesting to see how the you know Heisman Trophy committee decides to handle this, right? Or, or not the committee, but the, the voters, how the voters decide to handle this with both him and Bo Nicks. I made the case for Nix earlier. I think that Jane Daniels is a, a very good football player um sucks losing to him if you're an aggie fan if you're if you like us sucks losing to him but he's a really good football player he got us back for last year and uh you know that's that's all she wrote else he's gonna have a great bowl game and, and a good end of the season um elsewhere in the sec we had the egg bowl thursday night it was kind of a
1: snoozer to be honest 17 to 7 ole miss pulled it out in the end it looked like mississippi state had a chance they were plucky on defense for most of it but Almost kind of won out on talent. Ten wins in the regular season for Lane Kiffin this year. Big accomplishment for him. Didn't see it coming. I'll I'll be honest. Uh, Tennessee, 48, Vandy, 24. That game was chippy. I tuned in just a couple times, and I was listening as they flipped over on the Blitz, but um, it was very chippy for some reason. I don't know why Vandy was trying to start fights with Tennessee, but rivalry week, I guess. And Mizzou, speaking of chippy, 48 to 14 over Arkansas. This one had an almost full out brawl breakout in the middle. That was crazy. Shout out Eli Drinkwitz. 10 win season yeah. accomplished. Going to go to a really good bowl game, probably a new year six bowl game. If they can play their cards right here and fantastic year for Eli Drinkwitz, that program's trending up.
2: I also have a suspicion Missouri is going to be the portal King this year. I just, it feels like the destination program to go and play with those guys. And, and you know, it seems like, hey, the system works. You get enough talent in there. You know, you can do some good things. I feel like Missouri might be a little bit of a destination. Too bad Arkansas didn't put up as much of a fight, you know, actually playing football as they did trying to actually fight Mizzou, which was a freaking crazy brawl. But they just chose to not try, you know, on the football field for actual football things. Well, let's
1: go over to the Pac-12 now. We've got Utah 23-17 to over Colorado. Coach Prime finishes year one four and eight. Hope he kept the receipts uh, because he's going to need them after that one. Uh, Arizona wins the Territorial Cup over Arizona State, 59-23. Just a fantastic performance by the Wildcats today against Sanar Tribal. Uh, They kind of let their foot off the gas. This one could have been a lot worse, but Jed Fish gets nine wins in uh, Tucson. More wins in USC, like we've highlighted, and now comfortably more wins in USC. And Notre Dame wins their rivalry game with Stanford 56 to 23. Cal and UCLA are still going at it right now. I believe it is 20 to 7. Now that's right. Cal is up 20 to 7 in an opportunity for the Golden Bears to get bowl eligible. But uh, Garrett, I guess my biggest takeaway is, you know, the game uh Colorado, Utah, because Mm -hmm. Utah fought tough. They played a lot of games close this year. You could see that swing next year, but Coach Prime has got to figure something out this offseason. He can't do what he did last year with the big portal overhaul.
2: Yeah, just kind of a weird year for Utah. They didn't have Cam rising all season, despite the fact that going into the year, you kind of felt like he might just miss the Florida game, and that would be it. Um, Not a lot of offensive success. It didn't seem like they prepared well in the offseason for the – You know, in case of emergency, you don't have Cam Rising situation. Um, But on that note, Cam Rising is coming back. He will be back next year. Uh, Utah will be moving with Colorado to the Big 12, and Cam Rising will kind of be top dog, you know, at least he's the oldest guy in the conference at that point. But he'll be top dog. He'll be one of the better quarterbacks in the conference, especially now that Texas and Oklahoma are leaving. Um, And I think it would be really cool to see kind of what they can do with Cam rising back a lot of talent returning um next year as they move conferences for colorado though like this is a massive improvement this is a step in the right direction you won one game last year and you were kind of lucky to do it you won four games this year you had a great start you started really hot you lost a bunch of games down the stretch it happens you're colorado you're, you didn't have the talent yet um and, and you're gonna get there i do believe colorado will build their program and I do believe that they're going to do a, a really good job continuing to improve as a team, but they're not there yet, right? They just weren't there yet. Maybe next year they make a bowl game. Maybe the year after that they make a good bowl game, right? Maybe there's a couple of steps along the way and and they do a lot better. They just got to get there. And, and I think that they can, I didn't see anything this year that told me that they couldn't be competitive. I mean, they competed with some of the better teams, but they, they've they just got to make that next step and, and they got to do that. Take it for a good year, guys. It, four and eight, it's a good year for you. Um, take it as a good year, you know, and, and keep going. And for all y'all haters on our preview episodes back in August and July, and we kept talking about how Dion was overrated and like, Pump the brakes, guys! And they're like eight wins minimum. There's no way they don't make a date win for all of y'all. um, Like and subscribe, and you can follow us next year for more <laughs> expectations for the Colorado football program.
1: And you can be a smarter fan for it. Uh, fact, let, let's go! Let's go over to the Big Ten, Iowa, Nebraska. This game was fantastic on Black Friday. Thirteen uh, to ten, the Hawkeyes. Fantastic win. is a word. It, I, it was fantastic for what it was, man. <laughs> Again, the record set for the lowest over under in history. Again, Iowa hits the under thirteen ten, a walk off field goal mm-hmm. to win it. Uh, bowl eligibility dreams crushed for Nebraska. You hate yeah. to see it for the Cornhuskers. They haven't gone to a bowl since twenty sixteen, and you know for Iowa they're ten and two. They they found a way to go ten and two. The jokes write themselves and they get a date with Michigan next week in Indy.
2: Yeah, it's 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 just amazing what I was was able to do this year with as bad as their offense was. Um I, I we talked about this, you know, last night Trey, we were at the party, we we're talking about it and, and I was talking with uh Mitch's fiance now. Um you know, if Iowa could just put up a mediocre offense, they'd probably be in the playoff talks. They they could be a dark horse playoff like contender if they had Average offense, twenty-five points a game, right? Just twenty-eight points a game, something, something kind of in the middle of the pack. I'm not asking for elite offense if you're Iowa. Just give me something. Um, I hope that they can nail that coordinator higher in the off season because it'd be really fun to watch an elite Iowa team kind of rise up again and and you know be another big name in the Big Ten. But <clears throat> you know, for now, uh, go and and play in that Big Ten championship game and try to beat Michigan, who technically has a better defense than you and yeah, I don't know. I don't know what Iowa does from here. Uh, you know, only slightly less entertaining, and, and this game was extremely entertaining. I don't know that I'd say fantastic. It was, but it was extremely entertaining. Only slightly less entertaining, though, was the conversation on Twitter about quality of corn between these two states, and Nebraska, of course, talking about how it's better for eating and popcorn, and Iowa talking about how it's you know the stuff that they feed your cows so that your cows can be great, and they're like, well, you can thank the beef next time. Like I'll thank it with popcorn at the theater, and I'm like, I, this is. Crazy! I didn't know that much about corn. I'm learning all kinds of things about livestock and crops and stuff like that. So shout out well, to Iowa were, and for educating me.
1: I think there was a gentleman in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade this year that could maybe settle that debate, um, but that, that's neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> elsewhere in the Big Ten, oh, uh, Penn State forty-two, Michigan State nothing. Josh Smith is on his way Ooh. to coach the Spartans. Guns? Sorry, yeah. Josh
2: Smith is currently still pinch running for the Rangers, but that's okay. That, that's
1: right. That's right. Uh, the, You know, still got, still got October baseball on the brain, but
2: yeah, it's, um, it's better than I, Michigan State football on the brain.
1: I think it's a fantastic hire for the Spartans. I think he'll do well. There can't be worse uh, how it bottomed out under Mel Tucker, uh, but Penn State, you know, where was this against Mi- the other
2: Michigan school? Where was this against Ohio well, State? You might've had a chance. The difference between playing a football team with a pulse and playing Michigan State. I mean, that's the whole difference right there is, you know, they they played Michigan and Ohio State and all them and they have good defenses and Michigan State just doesn't. I I do think the Jonathan Smith hire will be really good long term for them. I think it'll take a little while to get off the ground because he is a program builder and he said as much in his uh, introductory like post to them, he said that they're not going to cut any corners and he's going to commit to building the program the right way to be long term success, which I thought was a little bit of a jab to the in-state rival. Um, but I, I thought that was kind of a funny little, you know, he gets it. He's automatically here, um, but no, just not a, not a good year for Michigan state start over. You know, it, it's a good hire. I, I thought it at the time. I thought that this was going to be, you know, kind of a sneaky hire that right now we rate kind of low. And in a couple of years we say, actually it's pretty dang good hire. And they're a lot better for it now. So I, I'm excited to see how it works out for Sparty. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be
1: interesting to see how it plays out. There's a lot of potential in that program especially now that the scheduling will be mixed up in the Big Ten. Yes. Uh, some other games of note here, Purdue 35, Indiana 31. Purdue wins the old Oaken bucket, one of the best trophies in college football. We like Speaking Bunyan. of the best trophies, uh, Wisconsin gets Paul Bunyan's axe back uh, for the first time since 2020. They beat Wisconsin, uh, Minnesota excuse me, 28-14. Northwestern, 45, Illinois, 43. This was a bonkers game that I can't wait to go back to watch. I kept seeing clips of it on Twitter. Right, Got to go back and watch it. There were some other things occupying my time in the afternoon sleep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I want to go back and watch this one. And Garrett, here we go. Your Terps ending the regular season on a high note, 42-24 over Rutgers. Any thoughts about that pack of games right there?
2: Uh, we'll, we'll get them next year. Turtles, we'll do it. And it'll be okay. Um, no, I'm excited to go back and rewatch Northwestern Illinois as well. It was one that, like, as the afternoon went on, I was like, oh, I picked the wrong game somehow. But I guess, you know, stakes weren't quite as high for this one as others. So, I don't know. Yeah. There's some good games all day, and, and this was just another one of them. Well, I do,
1: you know, I want to throw this out there because Northwestern went 7-5 and five this year. David Braun was thrown into an impossible situation and made a ton of lemonade out of the lemons he was given. Is he your big 10 coach of the year? Cause for my money, he
2: is. Uh, he he's got to contend for, I mean, cause I wouldn't say. You can't give it to Harbaugh. I don't mean, think that would be, uh, available. That could you imagine? Could you imagine if Harbaugh got Big Ten coach here? That'd be ridiculous.
1: You gotta give it some more over Harbaugh if you give it to yes, some.
2: Hey, he, he did a good job. I, I'm really impressed with what Moore was able to do the way down. Um, you're not gonna give it to Ryan Day because he didn't beat Michigan. You're not gonna give it to anybody else in the East. Maybe, maybe Ferrance. I think Ferrance would be my only other candidate to say you got to the Big Ten championship game with no offense. I think that's worth something. Um and we just won't talk about why he didn't have an offer. Yeah, let's no, not talk about why it's probably your fault that you managed it <laughs> in year whatever. thirty-five or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, gosh, man, that's this rough. No, I think David Brown, he's got to be up there as a candidate because that was a really impressive job to I mean, we talked about and this is a similar situation in terms of where you were entering the season as like a take like a Mississippi State who their coach was not there, an assistant is thrust into that position. Obviously, different circumstances as to why, but you have an assistant coach coming up and kind of just stepping in and doing their thing. Obviously yeah. it worked a lot better at Northwestern than it did at Mississippi state. Um, and, you know, it's, it's props to them for, for getting bowl eligible and, and making something happen. So I'm excited to see if they can pull off the bowl though. I'm, I'm curious to see their matchup. I think they might have a, a, an interesting matchup and, and, you know, some of those lower level teams, maybe you get matched up with a, like a G five team that you can go beat up and and really finish the season on some positive momentum. Let's go over to the Big
1: 12 as we kind of speed things up here to close out. Uh, Oklahoma State, by the skin of their teeth. I don't even think Oklahoma State wanted to go to the Big 12 championship game, but they will go to the Big 12 championship game to face off against the
2: Texas Longhorns. I saw someone say their theory was that they wanted to keep all-time scoreboard on Texas so they purposefully were losing so they don't have to play that one next week. I mean, you know, it's crazier things that happen. Yeah. But uh,
1: they do win. It took two overtimes, but they got by BYU 40-34. to 34. Mm-hmm. This was a sloppy game in Stillwater. There was a driving rainstorm going on. And uh, BYU was up 24-6 to six at halftime before Oklahoma yep. State came roaring back. They scored 21 unanswered, I believe, to take the lead before uh, eventually it, t- it gets tied to go to overtime.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And, you know... Credit to the pokes. They found a way. We mentioned earlier, Ollie Gordon, five touchdowns, 160 something yards. Um, another great game for him. I hope he gets an invite to New York. This is going to be a really interesting game. All right, Some of our listeners earlier said the line early line is 11 and a half points mm-hmm. for Texas over Oklahoma state. <sighs> Oklahoma state's got to clean a lot of stuff up for me to think that they keep it close or have a chance to win in that one. But Credit to Mike Gundy for getting his team there after the disastrous start.
2: Uh, I will say, I think the case for Oklahoma State here is they really seem to get up for these games. Like, the the games that they've played close down the stretch have been the kind of nobodies. They didn't want I mean, they got stomped by UCF. That's everything. Um, that's, that wasn't close. They just got beat. Um, but I think, you know, they played some of these top teams closer down the stretch, or some of these lower teams closer. But for the top teams, like for Oklahoma, they got up and you know, they've stomped all over him for Bedlam. I think that they'll get up and be motivated for this one. My big question, we'll obviously break this one down in the preview, but my big question will be, can they, with Ollie Gordon, keep the ball out of Quinn's hands and kind of get that Texas offense out of rhythm? Um, because I think Ollie Gordon is good enough to get his next week, but will they be able to sustain that success over four quarters and, and get that Texas offense off the field, give them limited possessions, keep this thing a little bit down in the scoring? If they can do that, they got a good shot. Um, if the Texas defense stands up and shuts down those rush lanes, it's going to be a long day for Oklahoma State. I agree. I think it's going to be fascinating to see if they can do
1: that. Elsewhere in the conference, Oklahoma closes out their Big 12 schedule forever with a 69, nice to 45 win over TCU. No defense being played in that one. Shout out to my grandpa who wanted me to keep turning it back to that game uh, (laughs) from the Iowa-Nebraska game. Uh, just because he wanted to see more points being scored, I guess. I don't blame him. Uh, UCF. Yeah. UCF uh, gets bowl eligible by beating Houston 27-13. to West Virginia, eight wins for Neil Brown this year. They come back to beat Baylor no.
2: 34-31. to
1: That's a real I fact that we agree. have to deal with, Garrett.
2: I don't want it to be true.
1: Yeah, well, we are living in that world, and we have uh. to all adapt now. To that fact, you're right. Um, another eight win team, Kansas, all over Cincinnati, 49 to 16. And the game of the night, honestly, was Farmageddon. Iowa State, seriously, offense out of nowhere. Where was this offense last week against the Texas Longhorns? 42 to 35 over Kansas State in a driving snowstorm in Manhattan. It was just an incredible scene for Farmageddon.
2: Yeah, I mean, just an awesome game. I I brought my wife into the room to see this in the quad box. I was like, do you see anything fun? She's like, Ooh, wait, look at that. And then that was at the very beginning of the game. So then we see, you know, running back rips off that first play for, you know, massive touchdown. She's like, Whoa. And I'm like, this one's going to get messy and fun fast. So, and it did, it was a lot of fun. It was a really fun game. Um, elsewhere around the country,
1: uh, last power conference to talk about is the ACC. ACC. Um, we already know the matchup. Of course, it's been locked in for a couple weeks with uh, Florida State and Louisville. Despite Louisville losing this week, other games across the conference. Though Duke beats Pitt thirty to nineteen. Pitt was up early in this one before Duke was able to rally. Syracuse in your face, guys gets bowl eligible <laughs> uh, after starting four oh zero. They finally God. get to six and six on the last oh, week of the Syracuse season. Syracuse is so
2: good. Oh, they won six games. Oh.
1: Hey, listen, without a coach, they figured it out. Um, we'll see who they're able to hire and figure it out. Um, maybe You see those no?
2: rumors? Woo.
1: Who says no? I that would be plucky. I would I would be for that.
3: Um that 35-31 right
1: over Wake Forest. Uh Virginia Tech stomped Virginia 55 to 17. I don't know if you saw this, but the Hokies went back out for a team picture. Uh, to, uh, after they won the game on the uh, opponent's field, yeah, big rivalry moment. Virginia turns the sprinklers on on them to get to get them uh, off the field. Just a fantastic rivalry back and forth there. Um, yeah, but a big win for Brent Pry. Uh, they, I think, we're already bowl eligible. If not, they got it. Yeah, they got it today with that win. Um, Clemson. Sixteen to seven over South Carolina, they get revenge for the last year. It was a very ugly game, Uh, extremely ugly, not easy on the eyes. But Clemson gets the win, and NC State all over their rival. Dave Doran led the Wolfpack, thirty-nine to thirty over UNC, into nine regular season wins. They're going to have a shot at ten wins again for the first time in school history uh, in their bowl game. And then Miami 45 to 20 over BC on Friday, getting to end their regular season on a high note. Any big thoughts about the ACC before we move on to G5,
2: Garrett? Um, I don't know that I have big thoughts on the ACC, if I'm being honest. It's, it's been kind of a disappointing <laughs> conference. I really expected a lot more out of Duke. And, you know, obviously with the injuries, it didn't really work out. Syracuse isn't good, but I guess they can go bowling. Um, I, you know, whatever, it's fine. It, it's a, it's an interesting conference. We'll see what they can do next year. I think this is probably the conference to go by the wayside when it's all said and done. But um, I guess the Pac-12 Amen. already died, so maybe the ACC is next, and then it's just You're three just, mega conferences. We don't need to. We don't need to pronounce any eulogies for the ACC. Oh, no, I'm not tonight. pronouncing it. No, I'm saying it's <laughs> probably the next to go. I mean, you're probably right, but we can let them have their fun. Well, we can okay, let them fine. have have your, have your fun with six wins Syracuse, okay? Any conference that lets and that And 10 other six and six teams every single year. That's that's just what the ACC is. But any any conference that lets Syracuse win six games doesn't deserve being a Power 5 conference. <laughs>
1: Garrett's personal vendetta against Syracuse <laughs> continues. All right,
2: uh, let's hate move Ohio on. The... And I hate Syracuse. I'm a crotchety old man. Yeah. <laughs> Let's move on to the G5 uh, Liberty
1: finishes the regular season undefeated for the first time in program history. Shout out to the flames. They beat UTEP 42 to 28. They'll take on Diego Pavia and the New Mexico state Aggies next week in the CUSA championship game. Um, I'm fascinated to see where they end up as a bowl destination. I think they've got an outside shot at the new year six they need to be rooting for SMU and see where SMU ends yeah. up in the playoff 25, top 25 this week. But I think they've got an outside shot. It'd be really interesting. I wish they would challenge themselves in the non conference a little bit more. Mm-hmm. That's my only uh, hang up with the Flames. Yeah. Um, speaking of the American, we've got our final set. We've got two undefeated teams. Tulane won the first, the second semifinal uh, setup 29 to 16 over UTSA. They'll get to host. SMU next week because SMU beat Navy 59 to 14. Only sad news for the Mustangs, they lose Preston Stone right before halftime. Yeah. They're already up by a lot of points, but not really in the. It's kind of the weird in between where you're up by a lot, but it's still the first half. So you don't want to pull your starters just yet. And unfortunately, it comes back to bite the Mustangs yeah. as Preston Stone goes down. They're still in good hands. They have a decent situation, you know, decent quarterback room behind him, but definitely hurts their chances next week against Tulane
2: yeah and it sucks because SMU's been having such a great season they've been such an electric offense and I think with Preston Stone at the helm they have a real chance to win against Tulane Tulane looked good against UTSA but definitely had their struggles moving the ball SMU pairs a really good defense with a really good offense I think they're gonna have I mean they got a week to practice they still got plenty of playmakers on that squad but um, it, it's going to be interesting to see if whoever the backup is, I don't remember who the backup is right now, but whoever that backup is um, curious to see if he can get the offense humming enough to just get over the top in that one. Um, elsewhere in the G five in the Mac, we've got our title champion
1: uh, title game set Miami of Ohio beat ball state 17-15, and Toledo goes 11 and one in the regular season. They're on an 11 game winning streak right now after they've lost a heartbreaker to Illinois in week one but they'll get a chance to win uh, a Mac title next week. They beat central Michigan 32 to 17. The mountain West Garrett is a mess. I don't know if you've been following this, but we've got three teams tied at the top at six and two UNLV uh, lost to San Jose state today after San San Jose state, just obliterated UNLV Um, and Boise state beat air force. So, um, it sets up a situation where there's three, six, and two teams. The tiebreaker is the old BCS formula. They're literally going to break out the no way. and you they're going to see all the computer algorithms that make it made up the old BCS. They're going to spit out the formula, and whichever two teams are ranked higher, that's who's going to play in the championship next year. You're
2: week. absolutely lying. There's no I, way I, that's true.
1: that is a hundred percent true. I'm not making it up. And they are announcing oh it God. tomorrow, so none of the three teams know. Um, UNLV no, no, should. I flipped,
2: to the, I flipped to next week's slate, and I just saw two TBDs, and I said, "Wait, what happened there?" Because yeah. I, I saw the results, but I was like, "Wait, they didn't pick team, like they didn't flip the coin, or like, yeah, draw no they're, draws or anything like." They're announcing,
1: left. and it's a home game for the higher-rated team, so they'll they'll announce the location tomorrow. So they as don't even well. get a chance
2: to start tickets until tomorrow. Nope. No nope. one. Like well, hopefully they or... figured that
1: out. But UNLV should be safe. They were they were pretty far ahead. I think they were right. like ranked. I, I saw that they were ranked 35 going into sure. this week. Boise was like 72, and San Jose was uh, maybe a little bit behind them. So it's going to be interesting if San Jose can hop Boise, or if it's the other way around. I can't remember. But um, wow, yeah, it, it'll be fascinating to see what happens in the Mountain West tomorrow. Um, Sunbelt could have had that situation play out if Coastal was able to beat JMU. They actually have the same tiebreaker. It would have gone down to uh, a similar situation, but that wasn't needed. JMU all over Coastal and App State took care of business against Georgia Southern. So that means the Mountaineers will take on Troy next week down in Alabama for the Sunbelt Championship. Garrett, we ready to welcome some teams into bowl eligibility? Let's do it.
2: One, One quick thing before that, though. Of all of those matchups, I think obviously SMU Tulane has to be the first one. I'm curious to see where you're most excited. I've got an obvious tilt for where I'm most excited to watch for these G5 conference championship games. Of the G5, I I think New Mexico State Liberty is going to be pretty fun. I
1: I think Diego Pavia is going to be, they already played this year, obviously, because CSA does a round robin schedule, but. I think it could be a fun rematch. Maction's gonna be really fun too, though.
2: Um that that is where I'm going, man. Miami, Ohio, Toledo was already fun. And, and I'm so pumped to see how this one replay. I I'm this is the game that I'm excited for. Shout out Miami, Ohio going 10 and 2 this year. I, I know Toledo had some higher expectations. Miami, Ohio maybe not having the best years previously, but especially after uh, Gabbert went down to be able to bounce back, win 10 games, like stay you know on top of your season. Uh, I've got a little bit of love for them. They're one of my—they're my first article that I wrote for the Preview magazine. So I got a little bit of love for Miami, Ohio. I'm definitely rooting for them next week.
1: Yeah, uh, that's going to be a fun game. I still hate that that game's not on Friday night anymore. That was like appointment viewing for me oh, growing for sure, up yeah. on Friday night uh, of Championship Weekend. But mm-hmm. let's welcome some teams to Bowl season real quick, Garrett. We've got UCF, Northern Illinois, Rice, Syracuse, Old Dominion, Louisiana. Virginia Tech, Marshall, Eastern Michigan. Shout out to the Eagles, who I wrote the preview magazine for. Mm -hmm. Uh, Utah State and South Florida all waiting till the last possible second, but (laughs) getting it done, getting to six wins. There we go. And because so many five and six teams lost this week, there are four spots remaining with only two teams left to play. So, Garrett, that means – James Madison and Jacksonville State will be going bowling. Um, the ball, go don't lie. Exactly. ball don't lie. Exactly. Exactly. There are two teams remaining that could get bowl eligibility. Colorado State is currently trailing Hawaii fourteen to ten in the third quarter, and Cal, as we mentioned a couple times, is um, up on UCLA twenty to seven at the end of the third right now. They also have fourth and uh, fourth and four at the UCLA 15, so hopefully they get at least three more. Mm-hmm. So that could take up two spots. Um, like I said, JMU and Jacksonville State are guaranteed to get in. If Cal and or Colorado State cannot get to six wins, then Minnesota and Mississippi State are the first two in line, Wow, five yeah. and seven teams to take those two spots. So wow.
3: I'm we'll be running. following
1: that closely, Garrett. Let's wrap, let's put a bow on this real quick. I'll let you have the last word before I sign off. Wait,
2: can can I put one more question out there just of to course. wrap it up with? Absolutely. And I'm gonna steal it from Barstool, Texas, AM. What was y'all's favorite memory of the Mark Stoops era? <laughs>
1: I think it was the friends we made along the way. I think that I
2: think was so too. I thought the my unity part, of the fan base was has never been more clear. My favorite part was when we uh did the podcast and, and then you know, found out on air that it wasn't going to happen. That was my favorite part. What a night! What awesome. what what an interesting night this has I been. Can't believe College football never disappoints,
1: and this is why we love doing it live because we get to react to stuff like this 100%. and just just have fun. The chat was popping tonight. Thank you guys that have stuck through all the way well past midnight here Central Time. We've got a lot of fun stuff in store this week. We're going to start our off season content up soon, and we've got bowl previews coming up all through December on the YouTube channel, so make sure that you are subscribed and locked in for all that. For Garrett Turney, for Mitch Mason, for Teddy Moore, and for everybody holding it down on the live show tonight, I'm Trey Reeves. We'll see you guys next time.
0: Gracious, how about